it's very easy for administration to be stuck in their own comfort zone of academics. And oftentimes they have to be reminded that our kids are much more than just students and that they're going through many, many things that don't have anything to do with what goes on inside our four walls. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So welcome to today's episode. I am super excited, as always, because we have amazing guests um, with us today. We are going to be talking about something called the 16 Strong Project. And very excited because this is a topic that we haven't really talked a whole awful lot about, but it's something that is really, really top of mind and front of mind for so many folks around the country and around the world, educators today, uh, very, very pertinent. And so joining us is Samantha Wetchy. Samantha is the co-founder of the 16 Strong Project and an adolescent mental well-being advocate. She created the 16 Strong in response to what she experienced as a young person growing up with familial mental health illness, um, mental illness, and addiction. And her work focuses on empowering resilience to adverse childhood experiences through educational workshops, online resources, and community outreach. So Samantha, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, And joining Samantha is Susan Soler, um, who is a licensed clinical social worker who has worked in many settings for over 35 years, um, um, doing a lot of work um, as a specialist in addictions. And she worked in rehab and outpatient until she um, started her work at a high school in 1998, where she counsels students on all types of challenges. So um, Susan, thank you for joining us as well. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So, Samantha, I want to start with you. So, help the sort of global community understand what the heck is the 16 Strong Project? What's that mission and vision? Um, And then we're going to get to the nuts and bolts about how you and Susan interact or, or intersect with all of this. Sure. So to give a little bit of background, the 16 Strong Project is something that I started in response to my experiences growing up with. My father struggled with mental illness and addiction issues. And so my time growing up throughout middle school and high school, my life was impacted by this. Um, But I do, I, I like to tell people that I overall had a really, really great high school experience. But there were always things in the back of my head that would either remind me that I had sort of an atypical situation or I was thoroughly convinced that I was absolutely the only person that was experiencing this. I thought my friends wouldn't understand. No one would know what I was talking about. I didn't understand everything that was going on necessarily because it wasn't something I learned about. And so I didn't really talk about it too much. And in addition to that, since I was someone who I did really well in school academically, I excelled athletically. I was on three varsity sports teams and I had a bunch of friends. And so no one really ever thought to check on me, everyone. And most people thought that I was okay because I looked okay. And so I, that was sort of my reasoning for starting the 16 Strong Project. It wasn't until I started a career 
career in finance after college and decided that wasn't motivating to me that I decided to go back to um, what am I passionate about? What do I really care about? And so the 16 Strong Project is really a program that's designed to empower resilience to adverse childhood experiences. So we work with middle school and high school students to first help them recognize the situations that they might be experiencing and how it might be impacting them in a negative way potentially, and then also helping them in developing strategies, um, tools, skills for overcoming the um, potential negative impacts. So things like positive coping skills, um, the importance of having strong support systems. And it really all starts with like that recognition piece. um, And then going from there, how to develop different, you know, become resilient and prevent the development potentially of either substance abuse issues or other mental health challenges in response to what they're experiencing. Yeah. And a huge, huge topic in many, many communities um, around the world and certainly one that we see frequently um, as a topic of conversation within schools and school settings, um, community and after school and informal settings as well. How do we we help all of the participants in our ecosystem manage and cope? So um, just before we move on and, and talk with Susan about her involvement, what what does 16 strong mean? Help help our listeners understand why you chose that. Great question. Um, so 16 strong, <laughs> what, what it means is if we have 24 hours in a day and we're sleeping in a perfect ideal world for eight of them, although it's not always the case, but for, you know, for math, we say we're sleeping for eight of them. That leaves 16 hours, 16 waking hours of the day. And so what 16 strong means is what do what does each person need to get through 16 hours of the day in a successful, strong, strong way? So that's going to look different for everyone. Like what keeps me strong for 16 hours of the day won't look the same as what keeps you strong, Annalise, or what makes Susan uh, strong for 16 hours. And that's the case for all um, students as well or young people. And so it's really talking about those coping skills or those outlets or those people in their support system that they need to um, get through the day in a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that that is so true. Um, one size does not fit all. And so I, I appreciate that very much. And thank you for sharing with folks because I know they were going to be wondering and, and less folks noodled around on the website to figure out what does she mean by this? So that's awesome. So Susan, talk to us a little bit about your, your intersection with the 16 Strong Project. And specifically, I assume that there's there's a lot that ties into what you know you indicated um, you know, prior to our conversation about your passion around character education and leadership as it relates to students being emotionally, socially, and academically okay. So how how does your work intersect with 16 Strong? I think, you know, as a social worker in a high school, especially since I'm going into my 22nd year, I've watched things change Mm -hmm. so much. And we've become more and more aware over the last couple of years, especially of the level of stress and anxiety that our students are going through, especially this year. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've certainly have been looking at that really, I would say the last five or six years, we've become so much more cognizant of that. And the truth is in a highly academic setting like the high school I work in, um, there's not always time to talk about mental health issues. There's not enough time to really allow kids to explore things often beyond math, science, social studies, and English, especially when the majority of kids in a school like ours have such a rigorous academic schedule. Right. They leave school, they go to sports, they go to all their activities. And what keeps falling by the wayside is emotional well-being and teaching kids 
not just English and science and and what to do Mm -hmm. on the field, but how to be kind and how to care for each other and how to recognize their own needs and how to recognize the needs of others. So I have taught, I've been teaching a character education and leadership class for the past 10 years. It's based on the 40 developmental assets Mm -hmm. that come out of the Search Institute. And when Samantha came to talk to me about this project that she was doing, it was such a perfect fit because she was able to come into my class once a week and really interact and engage with these with these students on a very, very different level. She could be so down and personal with them. Mm-hmm. She's a young person. So they identified to her also um, as someone that was, you know, they thought fresh out of high school, but really fresh out of college. <laughs> um, so it's a very different element. And it allowed us at least once a week, mm-hmm. but certainly even more so than that, to literally spend big a big chunk of time talking about the experiences that people go through and how they shape children. Mm-hmm. And even more so than that, the awareness that it's okay to ask for help. Mm-hmm. Because even in a world like ours, where we think this generation is okay with talking or it's not a stigma to go to therapy or, you know, in a school like mine, the kids line up outside my door to talk to a counselor. We don't think there's a stigma. Mm-hmm. But there can still be for so many children. And the way Samantha describes what she was going through when I knew her in high school, I would have never known. And I'm the therapist Mm -hmm. in the building. And I didn't know what she was going through. Right. And I don't think that that's so uncommon. So I have been doing, for the last couple of years, very intensely, but but for probably a decade or so, um, a program that I do with, with our in-residence partner, our high school kiddos um, here at the Past Innovation Lab, um, or we call it cultural baggage. And it's really tied to this whole, a whole, whole host of different pieces. And And this year, one of the things that we did with it is we were spending a lot of time talking about our eye biases and the things that we are afraid of, right? And the the reason I bring this up is because, so last week, I met with 30 some odd of kids. And one of the things that they had to do was share about something that they wanted to learn more about. So it was a goal for them for this year. These kids are all um, learning to be doctors, nurses, whatever. They're in a healthcare pathway. And so what is it that you are afraid of or uncomfortable about that you want to learn more about. And I would bet 90% of the kids, and they're all working remotely, right? So they're, they're collaborating, but not necessarily a whole awful lot. So I felt like it was a pretty good survey, but I would say about 90% of the kids chose some kind of of mental or emotional distress or illness or difficulty as the thing that they're uncomfortable having conversations about. So I think that you know, um, you know, sixteen strong is a is a really timely out. It was brought home to me last week, you know, very vividly that this is something that the kids are really anxious, I guess, to find a safe way to learn and to talk about. So Samantha, talk to us about the ins and outs of the program. How? What's the structure of it? How does it actually work? So when you go into Susan's classroom, what's happening? Yeah. So when, when I ran the workshop in, in Susan's classroom, I would, like she mentioned, I would go in once a week and we'd always start with a time for, you know, talking about anything that's on your mind, what's, you know, what has 
come up in the last week since we last spoke. Um, so giving space for students to be able to share what's on their mind. I'd say it was hit or miss when <laughs> whether they were sharing, but they did have the opportunity to <laughs> sure. do so. Um, but, but what we would talk about, it, it ranged really. So it ranged from talking about using the appropriate language when talking about mental health or mental illness or emotions. So differentiating between mm-hmm. different terms and the importance of using the correct term and, and you know, not using terms like like her phrases, like I'm so depressed incorrectly. And of course, if you are feeling depressed, that is an acceptable thing to share. But if you're feeling upset, it can be harmful to other people who are experiencing depression to say I'm feeling depressed or um, things along those lines. So we would talk um, about the importance of using the correct language, what it means to what an adverse childhood experience is, what that means I know it's a term that I personally wasn't even familiar with until I was in grad school two years ago. And so my eyes were open to that. And I think it's it's really at the basis of the work that I'm doing now. And I think it's so important to share that with younger people as well, to be able to recognize what that might mean for them. And so we, we would talk about that. We would talk about the importance of positive coping skills, the importance of developing or recognizing who your support system is and what to do if someone isn't as supportive as you thought they might be. And we spoke about the barriers that you often face when you're seeking help. So whether that be something that you're feeling internally, like shame or embarrassment or fear, Mm -hmm. or whether that's something you're experiencing externally. So in one of those situations where someone might not be as helpful as you thought they were, and maybe they say, oh, is that really such a problem? Is that such a big deal? Or, oh, so-and-so has it worse than you. They're going through this. And they sort of brush it off and and what what to do in those situations. We I also incorporated I tried to incorporate like media and song lyrics and current events into the work we were doing as well to help students help the help the class recognize that really what we're talking about is all around us and we're seeing it in songs and we're seeing it in movies, we're seeing it in TV, whether we realize it or not. So trying to kind of connect those dots and saying, okay, these these are the lyrics of this song. Now think about all the things that we've talked about in the last you know, five or so weeks, however many had been at that time. And, and what are you seeing in this song? And what are you seeing or hearing in the other songs that you're listening to? And so all of these topics were covered in a way that was interactive, um, reflective, and was not me standing in front of the class lecturing because I didn't want that. Susan didn't want that. And the class certainly did not want that. And so a number of small group activities, reflection exercises in order to try and get all of the students sharing and comfortable and giving them the opportunity to speak. Um, Some of them are more comfortable sharing in smaller groups rather than a bigger group. And so really trying to get everyone's voices out and, and heard. Another portion that I found to be really valuable was I spent a lesson talking about myself and my story. And so we found that when we were more vulnerable with the students, they really were able to relate and latch on and and, and feel connected to myself and, and each other, I think, too. Yeah, and I think that's that's a that, that's a consistent thing we also see with kids, right? You know that they're able to pick up on that very very quickly, and you know the the adults being willing to admit I don't know or I'm vulnerable or I've had this experience um, is is really really meaningful. 
So Susan, talk with us a little bit about sort of the student response. Um, you've been in, in this business working with kids um, in sort of this capacity for many, many years now. And so, and I'm sure that you've seen programs come and go um, over time. And the way we think about this, especially in educational, formal, uh, traditional academic settings um, over time has changed. So talk to us a little bit about the way the students responded to 16 Strong and, and where what is it that you see about this program versus other that you think is sort of that, that, that positive attribute for the program? The fact that it's so real and so genuine, and I had said to Samantha early on, you know, when are you going to feel comfortable to share your story? Because that's when this is going to really shift. By that second or third lesson, when she came in and she said, okay, now I'm going to tell you guys why I'm doing this work. That's, that's when the change occurs because they realize that even as adults, we have our stories and we have our challenges. And when we're willing to share them and share what worked for us, and again, show our vulnerability, um, Samantha showed her vulnerability. And I think the fact that she was able to say, hey, what you see is not what you get. I'm standing up here and, and I look okay. And I looked okay in high school, but that doesn't mean I was okay right, inside. Right. So let's be careful to look underneath the exterior. And she challenged them for that. But there was a, such a... You know, there was always such a sense of safety in the room and a comfortability. Samantha has a very calming presence also. And I think she just handled everything with such grace and was able to really put the kids at ease, which is really, really important because when you're only in a class once a week, um, you know, you have to, you can't be seen as the stranger. Right. It's good right. to be the unfamiliar face. When you're the <laughs> unfamiliar face, the kids listen differently. Right. But you can't be a stranger. Right. And she is able to, to really walk that line between being the unfamiliar face and being so safe for them. And the activities I felt too, you know, again, in a school like South, the kids are, it's so rigorous academically and the kids are lectured to all day. Mm -hmm. And I never do that in my leadership class anyway, because I know the kids don't want that. Sure. But the activities that Samantha chose and designed were, were creative they were interesting. They challenged the kids to come out of their comfort zone. She mixed them up with each other, you know, the children. So I think that it's it, the whole syllabus of the course, so to speak, was just so perfectly put together. We had a tremendous response in my evaluation at the end of the year when we asked them, you know, the high points and the low points of the course. She was, her, her program was consistently a high point of the course for the kids. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really, really important thing because kids can be the toughest critics. Oh, absolutely. And they're pretty yeah. honest. <laughs> they're pretty honest at the end. And it's and it's a very honest environment yeah. in the class. So when I asked that question, what they really liked, if they didn't, they wouldn't have said sure, it. Very sure. Very honest. So, <laughs> you know, I really, really trust that they gained, they gained so much from it. And they gained information that they're not gaining any place mm -hmm. else in high school. Yeah, it doesn't exist in any place within the curricula outside of program right. opportunities like this for most kids, not all kids, but for, for, for most kids and most school systems, that's certainly the case, that this has been one of those, those pieces that there's been some reticence around how do we effectively make this a teaching and learning opportunity broadly across the entire population of the school, not just students um, you know, in need in the moment. And so that's one of the other things that really interests 
intrigued me about about the work that you were doing in the program because, you know, in my in my work um, and in past work generally, as we sort of traverse the planet working with a variety of different schools and environments, we get asked the question all the time, right? You know, we we we're devoting X number of resources to you know a variety of different issues tied to social and emotional, pretty pretty broadly, and how do we do that effectively? And the the pushback that I repeatedly have is. That's really important work, but it has to be work that is applied to the entire sort of demographic. It, it has to be community-wide. It's not a conversation that can happen only in isolation and be effective for right. the general population. So um, that's one of the pieces that I thought, oh, this is really, really great. So Samantha, so I assume that this program exists beyond Susan's classroom. So tell us a little bit about sort of scope and scale, because that's the other question. I can see folks that are listening to this. Hey, can I bring 16 Strong to my community, to my classroom, to my experience with my students? So what does that look like? Yeah, so the, so the short, well, I guess, yeah, and I'll give you the, the, all, of the, all the details. So I was going to say the short answer to your question is to your question that you just posted is yes, but there's several different ways that that can happen. And so for some background or for, for some additional context, I first the first version of the program that I ran was last fall with Susan's class as well as two other classes as well. Um, and so since then, the world sort of shifted remotely with the you know students online, everybody online. And so I had already I had always envisioned the project as running as two different pieces, both in person and online or remotely. And so when everything else switched to Remote, I said, okay, well, I guess it's time to to go that way with this work as well. And so, over the last few months, we've um, launched a couple of new initiatives, and we one of them, the main one, is our Every Voice Heard initiative. And so, what that is, there's two pieces to it, and one piece is a storytelling platform. And so, it's a place on our website where we have volunteer contributors who either submit stories um, in poem form, video form, writing form, however they feel comfortable. They, they send their submission and we post it on our website. And so what this really is, is it's designed to be a, really two things. It's a place for those who have stories about you know their experiences that they've had, how they've overcome them, how they're still overcoming them, um, advice they might have for a younger generation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a place for them. It's a platform for them to share this story. And it's also a place that um, young people or anyone really could use as a resource. And so as we were just talking about with when I shared my story in the classroom, we see how meaningful and valuable storytelling can be when you can relate to something that you're reading, something that you're listening to. I mentioned that a big challenge for myself and also I see in others is that they feel like they're the only one. So if you can see that you're reading a story and you're kind of like, hey, this this kind of sounds like me. And so that can be tremendously helpful. And so that's the Every Voice Heard story, storytelling piece of it. And then we also have an Every Voice Heard schools initiative. And so what this really is, is working to get schools on board with basically committing themselves in one some, some way, shape, or form to understanding what adverse childhood experiences are, why they're important, how they're impacting, their, how it could be impacting their students, why it's important for them to know about it, understand, like understand it in their students, and also as, you know, providing like light lift tips, strategies, 
tools that um, one part one portion of it is tips, strategies, and tools that like educators can use, for example. And it's you know not as big of a commitment or time commitment as you know inputting an entire workshop into your classroom. Um, but sure. things like how to respond to a student that might come to you and share that they're struggling in a way that's helpful to them rather than harmful, so that that student isn't sort of I guess discouraged from seeking help again. If they don't get the help or a supportive answer the first time around or highlighting the importance of checking in on all of your students, not just the ones that you might like think are struggling. I'm doing air quotes. I realize people mm-hmm. see this, but like that you think might be struggling based on, <laughs> you know, poor behavior or coming late to class, not turning in assignments, not performing well academically. Those aren't always the students that you only need to check in on. And so it's really a way for students or for, sorry, for schools to get on board with understanding the needs of their students and agreeing to listen to their students, believing their students and doing what they can to support their students. And so there's a number of ways that they can do that, whether it's through, we have um, an educator toolkit that we've come up with. We have different guides for that are designed for adolescents in order to, they're adolescent guides to understanding different mental illnesses, mental health challenges, or adverse childhood experiences that incorporate easy to understand language, pointing to different celebrities, athletes who have shared a story about certain topic, Mm -hmm. pointing to even different social media accounts that if you're seeking more information or hope or support that they can go to. And so putting it in terms that are teenager friendly or young person friendly. So that is our overall Every Voice Heard initiative. And then we also have what we're starting up now is a youth advisory board. And so we're recruiting students who, who... really from from anywhere, but students who will be or have the opportunity to really be a part of the work we're doing. And so something that's really important to me is hearing the voices and getting the voices involved of those people who we're actually working to support. And so asking them, hey, you know, will this, are you interested in this? Like, do you already know about this? How do you want to learn about this? And really hearing from them because I, you know, I can try my best and say, I think that students will like this, but it's really important to hear from them. What what do you want to hear? Like, what do you want to learn about and how do you want to learn about it? And also having those students be peer leaders or, or school leaders in their school and be able to bring some of these messages back to their classmates. And we've, we know that student peer-to-peer learning can be tremendously valuable and helpful. And so figuring out ways that these students can bring these topics and lessons back to their classmates in whatever way makes the most sense, whether it's through a mental health type of club, whether it's through an event, an assembly, um, an ongoing event, hanging up posters um, that we would provide to them and and really hearing from them and having them share it. And so there's there are a few different ways and things to get involved with, but all very exciting and, and new opportunities too. Yeah, that's really wonderful to hear because I have no doubt that uh, we will have folks that are listening and are like, hey, can I bring that to my school? So that's fabulous. So um, Susan, you know, I'm a teacher, a young teacher or a new teacher, um, um, you know, sort of working in this space in a new school, uh, trying to figure out how could I effectively craft both my courses and my support of students in a way that's meaningful. And let's say I've, I've heard this, I want to bring 16 Strong into, into, into my classroom and into my day-to-day experience with my students. What kind of advice would you have for folks who are just getting started? Because oftentimes one of the big hangups that the adults have is I don't even know how to start doing this effectively with my kid. 
kiddos. And even if I'm trained in this, there's still a reticence. Um, once you sit down and you really start to unpeel tough conversations, tough topics, and things that students are, quite frankly, um, largely uncomfortable with. My suggestion would be to absolutely do your research, look at a program like Samantha's, really, really go through it and see which pieces would work for your school. Even with a program like hers, not every piece will necessarily be received well in every school. I would also strongly suggest, and I've seen this many, many years with any program, get yourself a committee because you have this passion and that's wonderful, but you need other people to run things past. You need someone from administration who's really versed in the program. Obviously, everything gets run past administration. And if they don't quite get it or they're not quite yet understanding the need for a program like this, it's very easy for administration to be stuck in their own comfort zone of academics. And oftentimes they have to be reminded that our kids are much more than just students and that they're going through many, many things that don't have anything to do with what goes on inside our four walls. So having a team of people really, you know, what I always do when I look at a program like this is I pull together the people I know that are going to be on board that have a passion for this, but also throw it out to your whole staff because you never know what staff in your building has been through something themselves or has watched their own child go through this and always wished that there was something available for their own child when they went through schooling. So pull some people together, get always have an administrator on board because that solves a lot of problems. If someone from the top is sitting next to you at the table, rather than you having to run to them with every little idea, you're much more likely to um, be able to bring it into your school. I would also say move quick because the time is ripe. Right now is when everybody's paying attention to social emotional learning. Right now we're paying the most attention we will ever pay to children's mental health because we've all just been through the worst thing ever and we're worried. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for that because that is fabulous, fabulous advice um, all the way around. And, um, you know, I do know that um, because we spend a lot of time working with young or new teachers and it's the thing that I hear all the time is I don't know how to get started. So thank you for that, Susan, because that was, that was fabulous. So Samantha, you know, sort of same question to you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a young teacher. I want to bring this, this um, program or something similar into um, my ecosystem very deliberately. Uh, do you have a piece of advice for folks getting started? Yeah, I I think it's, you know, forming a committee, people that are on your team and on board are, is a tremendous advice. I think that even when I was first starting with, with my program and starting that, that's exactly what I did. I had classmates in grad school help me. I had Susan, who I went back to. I think you've probably gathered that I, I went to the high school that I ran this program at and that Susan she, works at. She was your teacher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She yeah, so she was the counselor at the high school that I went to. And so I went back to the people who were on my team and would be able to help me get this done. And so I think it's it's similar and you should find those supportive pieces that you either already have or find people who are like-minded to help you with that. And I think another portion of it is also understanding that what and I can speak to, of course, my my program, what I might present to you in an initial meeting is also flexible. And so like it can be amended, it can be changed to fit different school contexts. So I've created this program, but there are definitely pieces of it that someone might look at it and say, oh, I don't think my students will 
you know, respond well to this. And I'm willing to work with, I've worked with people in the past with either counselors or teachers to be able to, um, you know, run ideas back and forth to say, hey, this might not work, but this might work. And so a good example of that is a portion of the program that I developed is scenario-based. And so I wrote up a number of different scenarios that are about fictional high school students that could be real high school students. And so I had a conversation. They're very general, but I had a conversation with a counselor who she works at a very small private school. And so she looked at the scenarios and said, these are fantastic. And I already know that my students would say, oh, but this doesn't sound like us. And so that's an example of where she was like, you know, this is a great activity and I'm going to amend these scenarios so that I can, you know, make it sound like a student in my school. And so that's exactly the case is that you might see, don't be, you know, discouraged from using a program just because you look at it and you see one thing that's, that doesn't necessarily, might not necessarily fit with your students because it can be flexible and it can be changed. And even I think when I ran the program the first time, there were things that the students might not have, you know, grabbed onto as much as I thought they would. And so that that is something that I've worked on since and can change per per school as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's it's rare that a program right off the shelf or out of the box right exactly. is going to be the magic thing for for whatever community or population that you're talking about. So we we have to embrace the modify. So yes, I, I love that very much. Thank you for that, Samantha. <laughs> yeah, and thank you um, to to both of you ladies for joining us today. Um, you know, I have no doubt that our listeners of Learning Unbox um, have learned a lot, and I'm hoping that they will reach out um, to you. We will definitely post all of the information. Uh, make it easy for folks to f- learn more about um, the the program and the project. And um, best of luck to you both because it's a wonderful, wonderful project um, that you guys have going together. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for, for having us. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.